Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hutsmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hutsmo Black. Welcome. Welcome to the Hushmore Black Forum. It's July 26, 2014, y'all. This year is just about uh, gone. Welcome to the Hushmore Black Forum, where our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer, and out of necessity sometimes. We'll do it louder than anybody out here on Blog Talk, yeah. We <laughs> we we don't like to uh, go there. I mean, we like to keep everything on an even keel. Uh, sometimes, sometimes events require that you uh, crank up the volume a little bit just to be heard, y'all. Hey, uh, got a great show for you tonight. You know what we do out here? We advocate on behalf of uh, Americans back when it's said. Not not because we don't love everybody. We love everybody. We won't let you know that. But by extension, um, we find ourselves uh, advocating on behalf of uh, our community. Uh, hey, you got a great, great show for you this evening. You got a lot of topics to cover. You know what we do? We cover current events that affect our community, and that's just about everything, y'all. <laughs> y'all check my new book out yet, Racism and Hate, an American Reality? Go check it out. Go to my webpage, hushmoblack.com. Go to hushmoblack.com and uh, follow me uh, uh Follow me there. Follow the Hushmo Black Forum there. We got a blog uh, page there. Go there. Pick us up on our, our Facebook page from there. Uh, let us know what you think. What's on your mind? Got anything you want us to uh, zero in on, if you will? We'll be more than happy to do it. We've got a. Uh, We got a free service out here, y'all. Anybody uh, working on voter registration drives, uh, go to hushvoteblack.com and leave us uh, a little uh, blurb on what you're about. We'll get it on uh, the Hushvote Black form. We'll advertise it for you. We need to get some 800,000 registered voters, unregistered voters here in Georgia, registered by uh, this November, y'all, because we need everybody to get out there and vote. This this election, 2014, is going to be critical. We have to get everybody out there to vote this November, y'all. Not only here in Georgia, but nationwide, but particularly because we... Um, Live here uh, in Georgia. We have to uh, 
make this state our priority. We got two great, great uh, national statewide candidates running on the Democratic side, uh, Michelle Nunn and Jason Carter for governor, Michelle Nunn for for the Senate. Uh, There's no reason what a state this heavily Democratic shouldn't uh, be able to uh, get both of those candidates uh, elected to office with uh, the record of uh, of the Republicans uh, that hold those jobs now and what has transpired over the last six years. A do-nothing Congress uh, has been in uh, a session for the last six years and it's it's just mind-boggling that uh, we, the citizens, put up with it. Because we're here in Georgia, well, we got rid of Jack Kingston, but we <laughs> we we got rid of uh, of that joke. But this state should be, we should have uh, 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 at least one uh, Democratic senator, uh, um, and and this uh, particular governor's race, we got to have a Democratic governor because the Republican governor that we have now has failed the citizens of the state. Anytime you have 600,000 Georgians who uh, are without affordable health care uh, insurance because uh, the Republican Party, along with this governor, refused to expand uh, Medicaid, uh, the federal program that would allow uh, uh, those 600,000 Georgians access to the federal dollars uh, for which uh, uh, we, the taxpayers of Georgia, have uh, contributed uh, into that program is uh, going to waste in the federal treasury. Uh, and the governor of this state is blind uh, uh, to uh, the needs and aspirations of uh, some 600,000 uh, lower income Georgians. That's a immoral uh, a tragedy. It's an immoral tragedy that uh, the states, the Republican controlled state houses outside of Georgia, is not expanding the Medicaid uh, 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 role and, set, and setting up uh, exchanges for their citizens, for the betterment of their citizens, uh, is mind boggling. And immoral. Uh, so uh, not only is it mind-boggling to me and to uh, uh, the normal, uh, the average uh, uh, thinking citizen, uh, this is immoral. This is an immoral stand by any measure, uh, especially those who uh, consider themselves Christian. Oh, this is an immoral stand by the government, here. They're denying their citizens uh, uh, access to uh, uh, affordable health care deliberately. Uh, out of no, uh, 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 with no cost uh, uh, to uh, the state. It, it's almost mind-boggling and it's immoral. Uh, I say, I say it's immoral. We are going to do everything we can to uh, get uh, these 800,000 unregistered uh, Georgians registered 
And uh, uh, if y'all know of any organization, any particular individual who's uh, uh, involved in voter registration and need uh, my uh, little two cents in terms of uh, advertising their uh, uh, their uh, activities and, and drives and uh, the whatnot, uh, get in touch with HushmoreBlack.com and leave me a message. We'd be more than happy to provide uh, uh, advertisement on, uh, at this uh, on this space calendar of events and the likes. Go to HushmoreBlack.com and leave me a, a, a there's a, a form down at the bottom. You can leave me messages. Hushmo at HushmoreBlack.com is my email address. So that, there's several ways you can get in touch with the, the Hushma. Hey, you got me the Hushma here driving this train tonight, y'all. It's about uh, uh, 10 minutes after the hour, 7 o'clock in the ATL. Yeah, we come to you from the ATL, yeah. Atlanta, Georgia, for y'all don't, don't know what the ATL is. Yeah. This is our uh, home base. Now, we took that. That's the back form on the road from time to time, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we mobile. Hey, that's the back form is mobile, y'all. Yeah. Y'all don't know. But we, we, we mostly based out of, of the ATF, but we, we, oh yeah, we get on the road from time to time. Uh, well, there's a lot of things going on in the world, y'all. How would you like to be president of the United States around uh, about now? Not to mention the fact that you black. And it's hard enough to being black around here. Y'all don't know? And then, uh, you're talking about you the president, too? <laughs> you you want to be president, too? Hey, I was telling someone uh, today, one of my golfing uh, buddies, that, uh, yeah, the closest thing uh, uh, to what this man's experiencing is uh, is in the book, <laughs> The Man by Irvin Wallace, uh, the man uh, written by Irvin Wallace, uh, the release date was 1964, y'all, yeah, where this uh, this uh, black senator from Illinois uh, wound up being uh, wound up being president. He wound up being president. Now, it, 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 <laughs> I only laugh because this, this, this story, <clears throat> the man, I don't know if any, any of y'all have uh, came across it, but, but check it out. The man, Irvin Wallace. That's my book of the month. I want, I want y'all to go out there and check that book out. Besides uh, racism and hate, that's the Hushmore book, man. You know that we're trying to get that to be a, a number one seller. But <laughs> second to racism and hate in American reality, I want you for this month to go out there. And it's hard. It's an old old book now. It's 1964. 
release date, but just Google it. Go to Amazon.com. They got a copy of it out there for you. I downloaded the thing here uh, some time ago. Uh, electronic version. Great, great read. Uh, you're talking about <laughs> you talking about prophesizing about <laughs> things to come. <laughs> the man by Irvin Wallace, uh, penned in 1964, uh, is it. Y'all got to read this book. Y'all got to read this book, The Man by Irvin Wallace. Uh, uh, closest thing Barack Obama uh, have ever had to a uh, period only thing, uh, him being the only uh, president of African descent, uh, one Mr. Douglas Tillman, uh, this character in the the man, uh, this fictitious character in this uh, novel, uh, was a black uh, senator from Illinois. I don't I don't even think this is in nineteen sixty four now, right in the height of the civil rights movement. Imagine that. Uh, this black senator from from Illinois, <clears throat> one Mr. Douglas Tillman, he uh Somehow the senator died. Something happened to the senator up there. He get appointed by the governor to fill out his terms. <laughs> he get to the senate, and in a brief while, whether that's two or three years or whatever, he rides the senate pro tem of the senate by default. Then nobody else wants the job back then. It wasn't that important, although it was like fourth in line to the presidency. President of the senate. It's like fourth in line to the presidency. <laughs> you got the, of course, the vice president, the secretary of state, the speaker of the house, and then you got president of the Senate, the Senate vote up here. He got to that position by default in about three years in the Senate uh, after, uh, okay, here come along, Senator Douglas Tillman, pro tem of the Senate here uh, in 1964. The president is on this big, big uh, conference with Russia in 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 Europe, uh, I believe in, in uh, Paris. He's on this big uh, powwow with Russia because they about to go to blows over that Cuban Missile Crisis and everything's just damn they're about to come apart. So the president is over there. Okay. Uh, the Secretary of State is somewhere uh, in the Caribbean. While uh, while the president's over there on this powwow, this thing's supposed to be about five or six days powwow with the Russians and the rest of the world uh, is involved in this thing, trying to cool things down. Here. So the second, in the meantime, two weeks before the president embarked on this uh, uh, conference with the Russians and the, the European rest of the world, uh, the vice president died. He up and died over uh, some kind of cancer. Death. So the president's over here with the conference and invite 
the Speaker of the House to come by and join in that conference um, on his way back to the United States from the Caribbean there. He diverted his flight and go to Paris to sit in on a crucial, uh, this guy's uh, one of the most powerful uh, persons in the Congress on foreign affairs. Uh, he he go over there and sit in on a meeting with the president and the Russian uh, uh, a prime minister. They live in this castle. The president's got a whole suite and shit. The secretary of uh, speaking of the houses in there uh, along with him and this castle set aside for the dignitaries old castle old castle well I don't know a couple uh, uh, the first night uh, uh, the speaker of the house get there uh, after they uh, finish their uh, Meeting some seven, six, seven hour uh, long negotiation with the Russians there. They go back to the uh, council and turn in, have a couple of drinks or whatever, and turn in sometime during that night. A small earthquake hit the darn uh, a, a, a thing or something, and, and a, uh, a section of the old castle collapsed where the president and the speaker of the house will stand, killing both of them. At the end of the day, both of them got killed. So, but let let me let's understand. This is 1964, Red Miller, the Civil Rights Movement. We got a black Senate pro tem by default, <laughs> a Senator Douglas Tillman from Illinois, the Vice President who died of natural causes here. You got the President of the United States and the Speaker of the, uh, of the House killed in this crazy uh, 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 calamity over there uh, in Paris, in this council collapsing on both of them, killing them. Uh, oh, that's in America in shock there. Not only the politicians there, uh, somehow they finally come to the <clears throat> census and realize that uh, we got to uh, get a president sworn in here uh, uh, pretty quickly because our presidents, the, they go down the list. President, vice president, speaker of the house, president of the Senate, and swear that next in line. And they realize that the next in line his brother, Douglas Tillman, Senator Douglas Tillman from Illinois. <laughs> so they, they, they swear, brother, uh, uh, they got to go by the Constitution. And he's just next in line. There ain't no real saying the bus about it. It's pretty cold and cut and dry. So they wind up swearing brother Douglas Tillman in as the uh, uh, – 34th president, whatever it was at that time in 1964, up to the United States. Yeah. He's he president of the United States. Uh, uh, when when they finally uh, 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 declared the president and the uh, Speaker of the House dead, took the Speaker of the House a deal, so did that. Because he had to pull him out, and I think he had a heartbeat. 
But they couldn't keep him alive. He expired, so they tried to keep him alive, but they wanted him. He was next in line to the presidency. He messed around and died. And brother Douglas Tillman became the first American of African descent, the first black president in this novel, penned in 1964. Irvin Wallace, the man y'all are talking about. I'm just giving y'all a little background on Douglas Tillman, Senator Douglas Tillman, become President Douglas Tillman, President of the United States, the first black president of these United States, right there in the middle of uh, the civil rights uh, commotion of the 60s, 1964. Yeah. This, this thing is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you think, you think uh, being president while black is crazy now with this president we got now. <laughs> hey, I, ain't nothing changed. <laughs> ain't nothing changed, y'all. The thing that uh, President Douglas Tillman uh, faced uh, back then, because this president, uh, President Barack Obama, is facing the same uh uh, type of uh, head currents that that guy uh, faced uh, uh, all having to do with racism. Now. Ain't no doubt all having to do with racism. Oh, they they almost, they tried to put him in a box. Uh, they were so afraid of uh, what he was going to do uh, to the con- uh, country. And messed around with some uh, Black Panther lookalikes Back then, the Turner race is what uh, uh, they were referred to in this book. Mess around and kidnap some southern judge who had sent some blacks to jail for nothing and uh, messed around and killed it <laughs> down in Mississippi. <laughs> oh, you, you're talking about a president uh, going through it. Much like, much like this uh black president we have in the day. The thing is so prophetic. Uh, y'all read it. That's my that's my book of the month. <laughs> the Man by Irvin Wallace. Uh, 1964. Uh, dealing with the uh, uh, what would it be like <laughs> if America had a black president back in those days. Period. <laughs> I mean, a black president, period. But, uh, yeah, he really uh, foresaw uh, some of the things that uh, this president is, uh, is going through right now. Hey, uh, it's about uh, 23 minutes after the hour of 7 o'clock here in the ATL. We're going to take a quick, a quick, quick pause for the calls here. We'll be right back after the break. You got me hushed, bro driving this train this evening. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturday, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in Cyberspace. Never had the flight. 
Sai. The Jews, 93. Trying to go with the strikeout and a quick kill.
Okay, welcome back. <coughs> welcome back, y'all. Yeah. Facebook friends, how y'all doing? Hey, we've got a call in number, 1-888-588-3814. It's a free number, y'all. Yeah. If y'all got something to say, we don't we don't take many calls up. We will. I mean, <laughs> we like to talk out at our audience. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll take a call. Most of the time, we wind up uh, going around and around about uh, uh, about an issue, or but every once in a while, we do uh, engage uh, with a caller over some uh, relevant. Uh, relevant uh, <clears throat> um, material. Yeah. I call in number one eight 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 three eight one four. It's a free call in to the high school black forum, yeah. Yeah, we uh got a great, great show. Uh there's so many things we're gonna cover. We're gonna uh, uh mainly uh um I guess the last hour of the show, we'll be dealing with Plessy uh, versus uh, uh, Ferguson and that uh, 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 Brown uh, versus Board of Education, those two cases that we're going to uh, kind of look at them. Uh, with all uh, the anniversaries that uh, we're dealing with, uh, uh, the 64 Civil Rights uh, Laws and the Voting Rights Act of 65, uh, uh, the Brown uh, v. Board of Education in '54, the uh, in '54, uh, the 60th anniversary uh, this year. By the way, I, I remember it. I, w- I was a young nine years old living here in Atlanta. As a matter of fact, when that thing came down on May 15th uh, of 1954, uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, those two things. And Plessy, one of Homer Plessy, one of uh, the uh, the gentleman in the uh, in that case, one of his great great uh, uh, grandsons. I met him down in New Orleans. I don't know, maybe ten. Oh God, it had, it's at least ten years ago, or more. Uh, around ten years ago, uh, me and my wife was down there at this. Uh, I believe it was the Ebony uh, uh, Music Festival, and uh, we were staying at uh, the hotel that he worked. He was like the Concierge at this uh, one hotel that we were staying. Uh, I believe his name was Keith. Uh, I believe it was Keith uh, Plessing. One of his great great uh, grandkids uh, uh, was involved in writing uh, the history of his great great grandfather. He had just started. He was young, fairly young. I'd say you know, twenty seven, twenty eight year old uh, at that time. Say two thousand two. Right after 9-11, we started going to New Orleans, stopped going to Europe. So it was around 2001 or 2002 that I was down in New Orleans. I met him. But now I got this article. I just ran across this article on uh, this, this article on uh, on the Internet where uh, Plessy and Ferguson, descendants of uh, of that case, Descendants, both descendants, uh, uh, one black, one white, uh, of that uh, 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 divisive uh, Supreme Court uh, decision. Uh, uh, they unite on this new uh, uh, 
civil rights uh, uh, educational organization they are putting together. So I, I've got to check it out. I've got it posted on my website. Uh, I've, I've got to check it out and see what it's about. I'm curious about it, uh, uh, how uh, they're uh, they're going to uh, collaborate on uh, educating uh, people about uh, their uh, ancestors and how uh, how uh, they played such a huge part in uh, uh, the history of this country. One of the things, uh, okay, here here we go. Plessy and Ferguson. A prosody of a divestive court uh, decision uh, uh, unite uh, Keith Plessy. I, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the same young man. Keith Plessy and Phoebe Ferguson decided to start a new civil rights education organization that would bear their famous name. So we're going to delve into that and uh, give uh, a little background on uh, uh, Plessy versus Ferguson and uh, its implications on. Uh, on the society. We're going to do that after 8 o'clock, y'all. We're going to get into that and try to carry out, uh, uh, deal with it the last the last hour or so. It's such a fascinating, irrelevant uh, 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 part of our history. Uh, 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 having a, a tremendous impact on uh, the economic inequality conversation that uh, uh, that's going on in the country today. So we think it's important that everybody learn uh, as much as they can about uh, Plessy uh, uh, and its ramifications. And uh, because it's important uh, when we start talking about reparations, how that thing played out and how uh, under uh, the laws, uh, the separate equal laws that Plessy codified, how they impacted uh, negatively uh, millions of Americans of African descent uh, during uh, the hundred years that followed uh, the enactment of the Fourteenth Amendment. Basically, Plessy took away Fourteenth uh, Amendment's uh, protections for uh, all Americans of African descent up until uh, 1954. And we're going to talk about it after 8 o'clock, y'all. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, so much is going on. Um, Israel and Palestine, they in another, they in a 24-hour ceasefire. Uh, they was in a, first of all, they had a four-hour ceasefire that the day they pulled out another hundred uh, or so Palestinian bodies uh, uh, raising the death toll uh, in the, the Gaza to over a thousand, Israel's lost forty. It's hardly a uh, fair matchup when, when it comes to uh, killing each other. Uh, but right now uh, they're in another twenty-four hour ceasefire, uh, trying. Um, the Secretary of State, at least, is trying and hoping to. Uh, put together some kind of a more lasting uh, uh, peace uh, agreement before they can do anything uh, is key uh, that they stop the fighting and the bloodshed. Uh, that's what they're trying to get to uh, initially, just to stop uh, the bloodshed because uh, if you don't stop uh, 
you know, stop the bloodshed, there's, there's no way you can come to any kind of agreement about uh, the other, uh, anything else. If you don't stop the bloodshed, you can't uh, move past that, uh, uh, that, uh, that hurdle. So first they, they, got, they tried to, the Secretary of State, John Kerry, wanted to, uh, and thought they had in place a seven-day humanitarian stoppage of uh, the fighting. He thought he had it in place. Israel bought that, and then uh, that fell apart, and they came up with a four-hour thing. So that went on. All those rockets and stuff kept firing, and Israel still blowing up tunnels. They're still occupying Gaza. So now they're in a 24-hour thing, and we're going to see how that uh, is going to play out. But that thing is crazy, y'all. It's got all the makings of a... Uh, Really, really uh, uh, crazy thing over there at Middle East. And at the same time, Libya, we had to evacuate our uh, citizens out of uh, the Libyan uh, embassy. Our Libyan embassy personnel, some 150 of them had to be evacuated out of there, including 80 Marines. They had to get out of that place in the cloak of darkness, y'all, last night. They had to run out of there in the cloak of darkness. That, that whole Middle East is, is, uh, is imploding you know, again. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the people, I don't know uh, if they know exactly where uh, uh, it is that they want to be socially. What kind of social society do they want? I don't think they really know because they've uh, been uh, constricted to uh, uh uh, either a dictator here or some fanatical or religious uh, uh, conscript here. So, so you know, I don't think, I, I'm not sure. They don't know anything about democracy. Certainly they don't. Uh, so we we try to spread to something that they don't know anything about democracy. That's, a, that's as foreign as uh, 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 it could be uh, to most of those places. Over there. Now, we got rid of Saddam Hussein in Iraq and that place then fell apart, uh, got rid of or helped to uh, 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 expedite the removal of Omar Gaddafi, Libya then fell apart, uh, uh, get rid of uh, 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 the president of Egypt, that fell apart. What? We, we it's, at some point, the people uh, in those uh, countries, they're going to have to, uh, oh, they're going to have to uh, step up to the plate and uh, decide some things about uh, their future. They're going to have to step up to the plate and decide some things about just what it is, uh, just how it is that they want uh their society uh, to be ran, and it ain't gonna be up to the United States. We we can't uh, we ain't gonna be able to uh, we ain't gonna be able to, to uh, impose our uh, democracy on uh, on the people of that uh, region if they uh, have no desire to uh, 
to uh, to go down that way, to go down that road. We, they, they, them, the people of those uh, of those uh, nations. But in the meantime, we got a lot of confusion and uh, well, it looks to me just a list of outside world. That's chaos in Northern Africa. I, I mean, I'm. I'm really disappointed to some of my cousins over in Nigeria. I'm, hey, that's where my DNA, that's where my DNA is from, yeah, Nigeria. Oh, yeah, we've been there, I've been there eight generations, yeah. I've been there since this thing was a colony, yeah, state of Georgia. Hey, but, uh, yeah, I'm disappointed with a lot of those uh, countries over there. It seems the citizens uh, kind of fluttering fluttering in the wind, uh, not sure of how best to uh, to move forward in terms of solving, you know, uh, the uh, uh, problems of uh, their uh, uh, countries, absent the uh, former dictators or tyrants or whatever uh, you call them, uh, rule. It, it, it's 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 mind-boggling now. I I don't know the answer. Anybody anybody got an answer <laughs> to Libya or to Egypt to Iraq or to Syria to Iran to Afghanistan? Anybody got a? You can't get that. Hey y'all, we got we got we uh looking at the score again. If that ball get down, that ball get down, we score. Yeah. That ball get down. We're looking at the Braves, y'all. The Braves and uh, the Padres. We trying to we trying to get them. Oh yeah, we do sports out there too, y'all. We don't just uh, <laughs> cover current, current events. Although uh, sports is a, is a current event, and the Braves are playing live. We got a monitor on there. We got four or five monitors going in, y'all, trying to keep uh, keep my audience informed. Trying to keep my audience informed, y'all. We're going to do that. Trying to keep my audience well informed, I might add. We don't know when we're going to get back in Libya, y'all. We had to run out of that demon in the cloak of darkness. Getting our people out of that place ain't got to be crazy. Omar Gaddafi may have been a better uh, alternative to what that's going on over there now, that's what I say. I'm of the opinion that he would have, over the long run, worked out to be a better partner than uh, what we got over there. Russia's firing uh, into Ukraine from Russian territory, though. 
How's that? Uh, how's that change the equation? Now, it's one thing to supply the Ukrainian separatists with weapons and training and the likes. Uh, and quite another thing to be firing on a sovereign country uh, from your territory. That, in my mind, is an act of war. That, in my mind, now, I, you know, I suppose I'm a war veteran myself. <laughs> hey, I, hey, I'm going to be a known war, y'all. I'm a disabled veteran, 100%. A Purple Heart disabled veteran at that. You know, I was in combat. So I know uh, what war is and what war looks like. And any time one country is lobbing missiles into another country's territory, that is an act of war. And that appears, from just looking at you know, appears to be the case. That appears to be the case uh, uh, here, y'all, what we got now. That thing is going to get crazy over there. I'm afraid, I'm afraid NATO is going to wind up getting drawn into that thing, y'all. I believe NATO is going to wound up getting drawn into that thing. That's what I believe. It's going to be hard to keep them up. If, if uh, uh, Russia is actually firing missiles from its territory into the Ukraine, that is an act of war with all kind of uh, crazy uh, ramifications. I remember some 300 pe- people almost been killed, been shot down, innocent civilians flying over uh, Ukraine by what this country uh, suggests is uh, by Russian-made uh, weaponry. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got to keep eye on this thing. Uh, this thing is dangerous. That situation over there, in, uh, the Ukraine, is dangerous. We next thing you know, this thing might have bloomed into some military confrontation. It's got all the trappings in my mind to do just that. It's got all the trappings to do just that, yeah. In the meantime, back at home, there's no movement on uh, the crisis on the border. <laughs> Congress got five more days in session. They're going on for five weeks. The Democrats signed a petition, 161 of them in the House, to uh, stay there until they got something done on the immigration, on the crisis on the border, on the VA bill. On the VA, hey y'all, remember here a couple of months ago with the VA crisis, all the people are dying on the waiting list, and the Senate passing this, and the House taking this up. They still, they are deadlocked over uh, a Senate version and the House version of the VA bill to protect our veterans. Though this do nothing Congress is deadlocked over legislation that uh, would help bail out and fix this deplorable uh, VA system we have. 
it, it, it is mind-boggling. Now, the voters uh, are not completely, uh, they're not completely, uh, um, they're not completely uh, deaf, y'all. They're not completely deaf. They know that something is not getting done for the country, and they know where the problem is at. Now, because they have this, of this president, and you have some uh, 20 to 30 percent of racists who are railing against everything this guy do, even those racists know that this Congress uh, uh, is not uh, uh, doing the things that they should be doing that would make their lives uh, uh, better. Oh, you got a lot of you got a lot of racists that depend on the VA, yeah, 20 percent, right? Hey, that's hey, my book racism and hate suggests that racism not only my little study, but study done by major uh, um, major think tanks. Hey, one of the greatest is the Negro problem, uh, 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 the American dilemma, the Negro problem in modern democracy. A six-year study on the social uh, uh, make make uh, makeup of this country. Over a six-year period, of 1938 to 1944, still today is a uh, is the hallmark for uh, uh, attitudes about uh, uh, race relations here in the country. Uh, it applies today. Back then, in 1944, when Dr. Uh, uh, Murdoch, a Swedish uh, a psychologist, did the study. On behalf of the Carnegie Foundation, he found that 85% of uh, white Americans, 85% of white Americans had a racial bias, had a racial bias against Americans of African descent. This is 1944. Now, attitudes changed, but it hasn't that same attitude, that same racial bias exists today. Hey, it's gotten better, y'all. It's down to, I say it went from 20 to 35 percent. I, I say 20 in my book, but I've heard uh, the figure in other studies say it's still uh, north of 35 percent. You're talking about 60 to 70 million people, uh, 70 uh, uh, to uh, million Americans railing against this president because uh, for no other reason than uh, uh, he's black. That's a that's a moral uh, uh, dilemma there too, you That thing is holding the pro, uh, the whole country back. This one chunk of our society who uh, um, don't like this president. Hey, that thing stretched across political boundaries, all across society. That's the eighty or something uh, uh, Tea Parties up there in that Congress that's got it uh, deadlocked. All those folks, uh, uh, is, uh, uh, representatives of that uh, 20 to 30% of the country were racist. That's their representation, but it's just a fact. It's just a part of the fabric of who uh, we are as a democracy and how this democracy has been put together in, uh, since its inception. Yeah. yeah, if you had 85% of uh, uh, European descent uh, holding racial biases, uh, against uh, uh, another group of uh, people, there's a problem. You've got a minority here uh, uh, who's got this, uh, who's been shut out of uh, through 
laws, separate equal laws, set out of uh, mainstream society for some hundred years after the 14th Amendment. Here. For some hundred years after the uh, 14th Amendment uh, passed in the uh, uh, they were shut out of uh, society because uh, uh, the color of the skin was never reparated for that, uh, those injuries. It has a lot to do with uh, the economic inequality that we have today. That conversation that's going on about economic inequality, separate equal laws, injured a whole class of uh, American black in the city for 100 years after the Civil War was over. That's just a fact. Uh, check my book out, Racism and Hate in American Reality. Uh, we documented it here in this state, here in my, with my family. Yeah, it's... Hey, uh, it's about, uh, wow, seven minutes still, eight o'clock, here in the ATL, yeah. We're going to take a quick pause for the calls. Try to get you in today, the clock hour, and get on with uh, the last part of the show. Uh, touching on Tessa versus Ferguson uh, and uh, Brown versus Board of Education. I'll bet up to uh, the hour. We'll be right back. Yeah, you know that meeting. Hush, mom. Advocated on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace. Thank <laughs> you. 
the VA president did meet with the leaders of uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Nicaragua yesterday at the White House. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what's, what's going to come out of that, but uh, trying to work on some kind of way to get them to uh, keep their kids at home. Uh, rather, hey, those are violent places there, y'all. Some of those people are in poor countries, poor than poor. Uh, they, uh, a lot of them, uh, is impacted by the gang violence associate, associated with the uh, drug trade, uh, according to uh, the leaders of those nations, they put a lot of the blame on the migration and the drug trafficking and the drug game on this country because of uh, the uh, uh, appetite for drugs here in this country that uh, provide a, uh, a market for uh, the drug traffickers coming out of those uh, poor countries. So they, they said we uh, are to blame. Uh, in part for uh, the crisis that we have at the border. That, that, hey, there's something to that. There's some truth to it, Al. There's some truth to it. Uh, my thing is, how could any parent uh, uh, let, let let go of their uh, child like that? I, I can't uh, I can't imagine the uh, Sending my six, seven, eight-year-old kid, ten, whatever, uh, uh, twelve, thirteen, fourteen-year-old kid off uh, to another foreign land by themselves. I could, I can't even imagine me as a parent uh, doing that such a thing. But uh, uh, desperate times calls for des- desperate measures. Um, so, yeah. That that is uh, that is just the uh, uh, human tragedy here. We got all these fifty thousand kids or so uh, who's left their uh, these countries for uh, uh, a lot of times just desperate uh, uh, environments to get to uh, what they perceive as uh, this land of uh, milk and honey. Uh, uh, called the United States, and uh, we <laughs> we've got a, hey, this country got a moral obligation too. To uh, and you see all the pictures of all the nations around the world uh, dealing with refugees at their borders, whether it be Syria, uh, the countries adjacent to that place, or some of the African nations there where people are migrating out of war zones. Uh, hey, we're confronted with that now. We, we have to uh, make a decision. Hey, it's not just uh, the countries thousands of miles away from uh, the United States that's having to deal with a, a moral crisis, but we, uh, hey, the man upstairs is watching too. <laughs> I hate, hey, uh, hey, I hate to, uh, I hate to bring this thing up, y'all. I hate to bring this thing up, but the man upstairs is watching to see exactly what this United States of America do with that moral uh, dilemma that we have uh, festering down there on the border, y'all. 
Oh, yeah, I believe that. I ain't no prophet. I ain't nothing. <laughs> a preacher, a teacher, none of that. I ain't none of that. But I believe that the man upstairs is watching uh, just how it is that we deal this country. When I say we, the United States of America, how we deal with this uh, moral issue that's cropping up uh, at our borders. Oh, yes. Hey, hey. We, we better do the right thing here. We better be doing the right thing here uh, at the end of the day. Classic versus Ferguson, y'all. We case came about that case, case came about or began in 1892, just a landmark uh, 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 decision there. It says, Passive versus Ferguson, which upheld the constitutionality of Jim Crow laws mandating segregation under the separate but equal doctrine. It stood from 1896 until the court's historic Brown v. Board of Education ruling in 1954. This is the gist. This is uh, 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 how uh, this uh, uh, case is looked at today in history. Okay. Uh, Being the uh, case that codified or held together, upheld constitutionally the Jim Crow laws of the South, all of them. The segregated South was held together under uh, the uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, which held together all the different laws in the different states separating America's rapidness out of its flag, whether it be uh, uh, with uh, restrictions on land uh, or uh, segregated uh, u- uh, labor unions, uh, discrimination in the workplace, the public places, or uh, inferior schools, segregated schools, or just up and down the society, up and down the society, uh, the separate equal laws uh, took away America's reference is 14th Amendment protection because remember that's how this thing uh, is about. That's what uh, the separate equal laws are about. It's taking away people, a people, a particular people in this case, American reference said, taking away their 14th Amendment protection, equal protection under the 14th Amendment. And, uh, uh, Throughout the society, not just uh, in education, but throughout the society. Remember, this thing says right here. It says right here, under separate, under this doctrine, uh, and they said it stood from 1896 until the court's historic Brown v. Board of Education. People, uh, uh, we got to get that in your mind. Remember, Brown wasn't just about school integration. But it was about setting aside the separate equal doctrine, the Jim Crow uh, laws of the South that uh, uh, 
uh, had the, the society segregated uh, up and down, injuring us. Uh, American Americans, anybody would, because remember, they uh, discriminated against us uh, 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 in the workplace because of uh, the separate equal uh, uh, stuff here. So when Homer Brown, uh, the, uh, starting this Plessy uh, uh, grievance, uh, uh, Homer Plessy, a gentleman of uh, African descent, he was a mulatto, really mixed. Uh, look, uh, damn near white. He looked damn near white. He, this is 1892. He he tired. He got a train somewhere, going somewhere, but he tired uh, uh, down there in New Orleans, going through uh, Louisiana, and uh, he buy a train ticket to uh, 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 go somewhere. He bought the train. And sit in this white only uh, train car, passenger train car, white only. Yeah, yeah, separate. Had a separate train for whites, separate train for uh, black folks. Wasn't no seats left. Uh, or uh, maybe it wasn't even a train car for blacks. But anyway, he sat down in this white car. Yeah, he looked uh, uh, mostly white himself. Oh, well, he was American rapping sit. They come in there and uh, order him off that train car. So you got to get out of here. If there ain't nowhere in the black car, you got to go back there with the cows or some cattle. That he refused to go. They wound up dragging him off that car and locking him up. Homer Plessa, 1892, uh, uh, in Louisiana. They wound up dra- uh, uh, dragging her. They call the police home. They wound up dragging Homer Plessy off of that train and locking him up under the separate equal thing there. Uh, he couldn't sit up there with those faces. Never could figure out why, but we're, we're going to tell you here. Uh, they wound up uh, taking him out of that white car uh, because of this uh, one-eighth uh, black blood he had and locked him up. He took him to court. He said, hold up. Y'all can't do that. You violating my Fourteenth uh, Amendment protection that uh, six hundred thousand people died so that I might have uh, that protection under the law of this country. Some six hundred thousand people died. You, you are uh, uh, violating that protection. I'm going to court. He took him to court. Homer Plessy. Who have been drug, uh, literally drug separated out of uh, society, locked up in a cold jail cell by himself. <laughs> separated out of white society. That's what that uh, accomplished, that, that act of locking Mr. Homer Plessy up in 1892 down in Louisiana. That thing, that case lasted four years, working its way through the courts. One court ruled in his favor, one court ruled against, one court, another court ruled in the favor. Finally, it got to the Supreme Court in 1896. That thing got to the court in 1896. That famous Fessy V. Ferguson case that got to the Supreme Court. 
Well, that Supreme Court ruled against Mr. Homer Plessy in his 14th Amendment uh, claims. They really, they really guessed it. In the eight to one decision, they ruled against Homer Plessy. The ruling uh, of this, uh, 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 Justice Henry Billings Brown, writing the majority opinion, stated, "This is this is the guy on the side of the eight to one. The eight justices who uh, voted for this thing, one declined, but the eight that voted for it, voting against uh, Homer Plessy." Uh, Justice Henry Billing Brown, writing the majority opinion, stated that the object, y'all, y'all watch this, my, my audience, watch this, pay attention to the language of what the justices said and the intent of the majority here being against uh, this, uh, this black man. The object of the 14th Amendment, stated uh, uh, Justice Brown, was undoubtedly to enforce the equality of the two races before the law. That was the object of it. But in the nature of things, it could not have been intended to abolish distinctions based upon color. Now, it, it, it made everybody equal under the law. But in the nature of things, according to the majority that sat on that Supreme Court back then, eight, eight of them, it couldn't have been intended to abolish distinctions based upon color or to endorse social as distinguished from political equality. I, now, that's just a restriction right there. That's a curveball, y'all. That's a that's a curveball. That's a curveball there that this has been thrown right there. But in the nature of things, it could not have been intended to abolish distinctions based upon color or to endorse, endorse social as distinguished from political equality. So. That Fourteenth Amendment, according to these eight justices, according to their uh, ruling here, that Fourteenth Amendment uh, didn't protect you socially. Uh-uh. If you was a different color, that it didn't protect you socially. Now we could uh, still remove you out of social society. Let's go. On, let's see what he says here. Uh, could that have been intended to abolish distinction based upon color? Or to endorse social as distinguished from political equality. So it wasn't uh, uh, meant to endorse social equality. If one race, this is what the Chief Justice, this is what the Supreme Court is talking about here, y'all. Justice Henry Billings Brown is writing, wrote this opinion in that classic case. If one race be inferior to the other <coughs> socially, 
The Constitution of the United States cannot put them upon the same plane. The Constitution can't do it. In other words, in this case, Mr. Homer Plessis, the black guy, was socially inferior as determined by the Supreme Court because, uh, according to them, uh, the Constitution uh, did not protect uh, him because of his color, and his color could uh, place him in, in a uh, socially uh, inferior position, which it did, according to the United States. It says, if one race be inferior to the other socially, yeah, you... <laughs> uh, the Constitution of the United States cannot put them upon the same plane. So we can, in other words, uh, that uh, uh, ruling uh, uh, separated all Americans out of social society. And, that, and that's what it did, y'all. Now, watch this. Watch this, okay? Socially, which means that socially, they could separate, they did, in fact, separate you, and big corporations separated you from all of the blue-collar jobs, for instance. Uh-oh, you can't sit in an office with all these white people because you're socially inferior, and they refuse to promote blacks into the white-collar position, the higher-paying jobs that is, y'all, because of the separate, equal, socially inferior position that uh, Plessy had placed uh, Americans of Africans in. Because of this one reason, throughout the society now, it wasn't just uh, about education. Uh, obviously, it starts there. We're going to separate all the black kids out of the, uh, the, from the white kids, put them over here in their own education system, uh, and the period one, by the way, we turned out to be covered all. This is all history now, y'all. Uh, uh, but throughout the society, the school place, the workplace, the public place, and every place else. The long dissenter, just as John Marshall Harlan, in, in that case, interpreting the 14th Amendment another way, away, stated this. This same justice here, uh, 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 Opinionating on the 14th Amendment, what it uh, actually means in terms of uh, uh, protecting people of different uh, races and colors and all that stuff, stated Justice Harlan, our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. Period. Twelve words up. Our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. That's just a crazy, powerful uh, statement here, talking about our Constitution and uh, that 14th Amendment in particular. Uh, treat everybody uh, the same, regardless of uh, their color from a social uh, and a legal basis there now. Neither knows nor tolerate classes among citizens. That thing, uh, uh, that classy uh, decision stayed in uh, uh, effect and uh, 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 served as the uh, served as the precedent uh, uh, for all 
uh, discrimination cases in the workplace and the school place for uh, some 60 years up until 1954, up until Brown uh, set those things aside. Now, people think that Brown was only about uh, school integration, which is, uh, 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 that was a small part of it. But remember, it's, uh, just to uh, uh, pull up this story here, the first thing it says about Plessy v. Ferguson, which upheld the constitutionality of Jim Crow laws mandating segregation under the separate equal doctrine. That's all the Jim Crow laws are. It's not just one. That's not just two or three. That's all of them dealing with uh, uh, segregation in the South. From eighteen uh, from eighteen sixty five until uh, nineteen fifty four, y'all. They they tried it. Though. They talk about now how narrowly a decision of that was. That decision couldn't be narrow because Plessy was not narrow. Plessy codified all of the Jim Crow laws. Once you if you set aside Plessy, you ain't just setting aside a particular Fourteenth Amendment violation setting aside all of the uh, Jim Crow laws. This is what has been understood here uh, from a, a legal uh, perspective. Oh, yeah. Uh, Plessy uh, versus Ferguson, which upheld the constitutionality of Jim Crow laws mandating segregation under the separate equal uh, doctrine. It stood from 1896 until the court historic Brown v. Board of Education ruling in 1954. Which set it aside. That's just, hey, we, America's African descent, uh, born prior to 1954, uh, should have been financially reparated uh, when that case came down in 1954. Thurgood Marshall and his legal team didn't uh, petition the court back then, mainly because of pressure put on them, uh, uh, urging them not to do so, uh, uh, in fear of. Uh, further social unrest in the South, if you can believe that. This is 1954. Uh, further social unrest in, in, uh, in the South. In other words, blacks who have been injured by these uh, oppressive uh, racist uh, laws of the states and of the federal government uh, was denied a financial reparation uh, out of fear of some racial terrorism. That's what it amounts to. Out of fear of racial terrorism, blacks uh, did not receive the proper uh, uh, reparations that uh, uh, they were due in 1954 for the separate equal doctrine uh, uh, that uh, injured uh, uh, so many of us uh, born prior to uh, that time. And we, uh, I, I uh, make the claim in my book, Racism and Hate in American Reality, to this day, it's not too late. And we should, all Americans African descent born prior to 1954, who was directly injured uh, by those laws, and that's everybody uh, of uh, uh, that class, um, who was born prior to 1954. We, we got a right to petition that court today. Uh, for those financial reparations without relitigating. We won the case. We got standing 
uh, galore. Uh, we got standings galore from labor uh, uh, union uh, discrimination to uh, uh, real estate uh, discrimination laws to uh, all this other craziness that uh, was in place uh, uh, in this country prior to 1954. Yeah, we we ain't got a win. We ain't got to relitigate anything. Well, we, our, our challenge today <clears throat> is to uh, get together with uh, a couple hundred thousand signatures <clears throat> or a hundred thousand and send it up to the uh, Attorney General and have him uh, petition this court and uh, uh, on our behalf for uh, those reparations and give him the standings that uh, 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 where uh, we were uh, uh, injured. Uh, yeah, that ain't a hard thing. We we've already won that case, Sean. It's not it's no statute of limitation on genocide. A lot of people died. A lot of blacks died uh, during uh, uh, this time from 1865 to 1965. A lot of blacks died during uh, this period of separate genocide. Uh, what is the amount to? There's no statute of limitation, so it's not uh, it's not too late. To uh, petition the court for uh, the reparation, we, we came up with a figure for. Read my book. We, we people uh, try to read how much is uh, how much is owed and all this craziness. We we came up with a figure. Yeah, read my book, Racism and Hate in American Reality. Yeah, we it's not uh, uh, such a uh, 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 great task to come up with a figure of uh, what we owe. I did it. I mean, yeah. So uh, the descendants of uh, uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting uh, trying to make sense of what exactly. Uh, Mr. Uh, Keith Plessy and Phoebe Ferguson. Uh, come up with. I, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, because uh, uh, that was such a monumental uh, case, and it's uh, so relevant to uh, my argument for reparations. And uh, should be, we all should uh, 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 Educate ourselves to uh, exactly what did Plessy do. Plessy separated all, and it's right here. Right here in this guy's uh, uh, opinion, huh? The object of the 14th Amendment was undoubtedly to enforce the equality of the two races before the law, but in the nature of things, it could not have been intended to abolish distinction based upon color or to endorse social equality. Uh, uh, that this is crazy. They were, uh, took that ruling, uh, that ruling effectively separated all, allowed the uh, separation of all Americans African descent out of white society at their uh, uh, discretion, and that's and that's what happened in the labor unions on the assembly lands and the white collar uh, job in. Come on, yeah. We're, this is not a hard case here to make for uh, uh, reparations. No, not for mine. 
not from my perspective, not from any uh, uh, sensible persons, any sensible person uh, who who were caught up in uh, uh, my shoes, <laughs> born here in Georgia in 1945, caught up in my shoes, uh, could see, uh, uh, could understand, uh, and would uh, rail against uh, the injuries suffered uh, to me and uh, to uh, millions of uh, American Africans. That's hey, that economic inequality, the uh, economic inequality equation that uh, that uh, that is so horrible, horribly skewed uh, against uh, uh, America's African descent today would uh, be nowhere near uh, skewed uh, if it don't be for. Uh, the Jim Crow laws and the political pur- purgatory that uh, we uh, existed in was 90 uh, to 100 years after that civil war. That, that economic uh, inequality uh, 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 thing will look uh, nowhere near as out of balance as it is had the government protected uh, my 14th Amendment uh, They didn't do it. They didn't do it, and now they uh, uh, refuse or try not to uh, uh, act like they uh, don't know what uh, black people are so upset about, running around crying about uh, somebody owed them something. Some wealth, a crying about some wealth uh, redistribution scheme. No, no, that's not what uh, I'm crying about. Yeah, I'm crying about injuries suffered uh, at the hands of the state that uh, injured uh, that injured me and, and millions of more uh, people in my class. And and I'm owed reparations from uh, that same state. Yeah, it's just a fact. I mean, it's not a dirty word. Reparations is not a dirty word, yeah. Where are we going to get it from? From the same treasury that printed out $800 billion to build Wall Street out, yeah. It's just, all that money comes from the same pot, yeah. All of it comes from the same pot. That's where the money is coming from. And it, it hey, uh, truth be told, uh, the reparations money owed America's reckoning, uh, uh, if they ever paid it out, uh, would go uh, most of it right back into the economy. You talk about something property economy up. <laughs> you give <laughs> you <laughs> you you're talking about spiking the economy. You you uh, mess around and uh, pay us our reparations and see if we don't make this economy uh, blow up. Uh, we don't put it right back in into the economy. Yet. People don't know. They round there railing about. Uh, but they think some black folks, some black folks are trying to take some white folks' money. Poor white folks ain't got no money. Ain't, ain't, I don't want nothing from uh, uh, poor people. I, I'm talking about the government. Y'all, the government owe uh, 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 me reparations. Yeah. When I talk about racism, I ain't just talking about racism uh, involving uh, the KKK. Right? I'm talking about racism involving the government of this state and of this country. That was in place for uh, uh, generations after uh, it shouldn't have been. 
Yeah, that's you know that's, that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking. We're railing against the same Fourteenth Amendment violations that the nine, nine white farmers uh, was railing against in two thousand nine, and took that discrimination case based on their race all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said, "Oh yeah, you white folks have been discriminated against." Uh, Fair reparation, exactly. Uh, what is due me? And what is due of millions of other uh, Americans of African descent born in this country prior to 1954, yeah. That's just a fact. That's just a fact. Uh, there ain't no uh, a wealth redistribution scheme or argument or none of that craziness. No, no. We're talking about reparations for injuries suffered at the hand of uh, the government. A racist uh, government. Yeah, we got racist laws and allow for racism to exist within the society. That, by definition, by definition, by Webster's definition, makes it a racist government. And that's that ain't too hard to understand, y'all. We we hate. We don't hate nobody no more. Like racism, hate uh, hate is a byproduct of racism, y'all. That's my contention. Hate is a byproduct of racism. You get rid of racism, you get rid of hate. You get rid of racism, you get rid of hate because uh, uh, while racism is a, pro- a proactive uh, phobia, a hate is a reactive uh, uh, phobia. <laughs> you know, you're reacting against uh, the craziness of uh, racism. Yeah. We we know we uh we ain't just talking about what we we ain't just talking about what we heard you know. we we ain't just talking about what we heard and, uh, we talking about what we live in this state uh, we write about it check my book out racism and hate in American reality we make a big big argument. Uh, for reparations based on uh, those separate equal laws. Uh, we, uh, there's all kinds of advocates for reparations. Most of it having to do with uh, uh, slavery uh, here in uh, the country. Some two, 200 uh, plus years of slavery that uh, we endured here in the country. Now, obviously, uh, that is the genesis of all uh when you start talking about uh, 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 reparations, slavery is the genesis of it. But I uh, of the opinion that uh, uh, that slavery was such a big, uh, humongous humanity uh, uh, type deal that. Uh, only somebody could uh, extract a fair penalty for it is a man upstairs, God Almighty. I think he did that with the lives of some 600,000 uh, people. 600, people died uh, fighting a bloody uh, civil war. I think that, that was conversation, uh, conversation extracted at the hands of uh, God Almighty. That is my belief. That is my personal belief, and I really believe that uh, God was driving that thing. And, uh, Poor neighbor Aaron Blinken in his second inaugural address, he too 
I came to the uh, realization that uh, this thing is much, much bigger than I thought. Poor man <laughs> of the Civil War that uh, just went in and he started having nightmares uh, about uh, just where it was that uh, uh, nobody could uh, bring that war to an end. And uh, it finally came to a military. <laughs> he had his Daniel moment. Uh, about uh, uh, having to uh, enact that uh, 13th Amendment uh, in the Constitution. Yeah. Oh, that man upstairs had his foot on his throat. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, President Lincoln, he came to realize that uh, uh, this killing would come to an end when I twist the Congress's uh, neck and get the 13th Amendment uh, passed, outlawing slavery in our Constitution outlawing slavery in our Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. That thing finally got done. Uh, it got done. <clears throat> when uh, uh, they got the 13th Amendment in there, I was looking at the man upstairs, y'all. Y'all check it out, man. Hey, hey, that's what I'm supposed to say now. I'm supposed to say, you know, prophet or preacher or teacher, none of that stuff. <laughs> hey, I, I got a hookup, though. Hey, I got a, I got a hookup. You ain't, I got a hookup. We do the man upstairs. Oh, absolutely. And you ain't got to be a prophet or preacher or teacher <laughs> to have a hookup with the man upstairs. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm, I'm living proof here, y'all. <laughs> You ain't got to be none of those things to have a hookup. Uh, to have a hookup uh, with the man upstairs. So when I when I talk about the man upstairs, it's from somebody who uh, has got a hookup. That's coming from somebody with a hookup, y'all. Y'all read my story, The Water Boy, The Life and Trials of Jimmy C. Cameron. That was my first book, y'all. I... It's kind of crazy, but I tell the story of my, uh, the book started out like that. Well, I retired back in uh, 2007 from the computer industry, worked in IT for some 40-something years. And uh, when I retired, I uh, didn't, uh, didn't have much to do sitting around the house uh, on the computer all day. So I decided to start writing, uh, tracking my uh tracking my uh, family's history in Georgia. And uh, sure enough, uh, it birthed into uh, 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 an autobiography, uh, uh, biography of my family's history. And uh, part of it had to do with uh, my uh, Vietnam experience, my time in service and uh, uh, my Vietnam experience uh, where I had this um, where I got injured out there in Vietnam on the battlefield and uh, had this strange spiritual encounter uh, with uh, the man upstairs. Yeah. I, I tell that story. It's a crazy story. Y'all, y'all can read it. It's in both of my books, uh, The Water Boy, The Life and Trials of Jimmy C. Cameron, and then uh, Racism and Hate and American Reality. I tell that story because that is such a fascinating uh, uh, encounter there, y'all. That is such a fascinating encounter. Uh, caught up me on the battlefield in that biblical valley 
of the shadow of death. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but uh, that's a crazy thing. I wonder why it would be in all of this mayhem, all of this killing the bad, bloodletting. Uh, why would God be there? Well, uh, God's right in the middle of it. God is right in the middle of all that bloodshed and dying and people killing each other and just the worst type of uh, inhumanity man can uh, 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 perpetrate on one another is war. Is war. And God Almighty is right in the middle of it, let me tell you. Uh, My little experience started out um, uh, with me and my fire team just about getting wiped out. Everybody in my fire team, which consisted of three people, me and my two, uh, well, I was a man short, but uh, the two uh, other Marines in my uh, fire team on July 16th, 1966, a dad right in my arms in Vietnam, shot to death. Died bleeding, laying uh, right there. Me shot five times, laying in a pile of uh, a heap of blood. Uh, I first thing uh, uh, came out of my mouth of that morning was, "God help me." I got shot in the right lung collapse, y'all. <laughs> Take that deep breath, you. Uh, <laughs> and everybody's shooting at this time, by the way, in this uh, particular bell that I got caught up in, this uh, biblical valley of the shadow of death here. Everybody was shooting. I get shot with my uh, one of my young uh, fire team members laying in my hand uh, uh, in my arms, dying. The other one laying under me, dead. We first words out of my mouth when I got to them and picked them up, turned them over. I get shot in right lung left. First words out of my mouth was, "God help me." No, I'm not. At that time, I wasn't doing it. Just, I wasn't, you know, this or that. I, you know. Uh, but the first words out of my mouth was, God, help me. I I kind of blank out after that. I everybody shoot that move. In my, in my uh, two comrades, laying right there, uh, uh, all in this pile of uh, human uh, human, uh, uh, just human, uh, uh, a mess. I blank out after God help me. I blank out somehow. Those two dead spirits and minds outside of my body come together. In this crazy way, I refer to that encounter as my uh, faith, hope, and charity uh, connection. <laughs> Those three, um, that faith, hope, and charity connection, yeah. And that opened me up to uh, some things that uh, that I still can't um, explain today. I do a lot more about. Uh, those things that I encountered today than I did that 45 years ago. 
I know a lot more about it today, but it took me some 40 years uh, to uh, really grasp or to start to grasp exactly what uh, had transpired in that brief moment that uh, my spirit kind of left my body and connected with two other spirits outside of, of those folks' human bodies. Those two human bodies died over there that day. A PLC Norman Edward Dawson and a PLC John Douglas Carey. Those two spirits uh, left the human body for good. They died right there on the battlefield, y'all. Y'all can go out to the Vietnam Memorial on the internet. You'll find you'll find uh, those two Marines listed. PLC Norman Edward Dawson and PLC John Douglas Carey, if you go out to that Vietnam Memorial, you'll find those two Marines listed as having died on July 16th of 1966 in Quang Tri Valley in South Vietnam. You'll find both of those guys listed that same time, same day. That same day, uh, I was Lance Corporal Jimmy C. Cameron in the Marine Corps. You'll find on my DB-214 and my uh, write-up uh, where I got wounded uh, in that same battle at that same time with those two gentlemen that died there. They were uh, my subordinates. They were uh, members of my fire team. I was a fire team leader in the uh, G Company, 2nd Battalion. You'll also find that those guys were in G Company, 2nd Battalion, by the way. 4th Marines, 3rd Mardiv uh, was the company that we were in. That We was on the point. Uh, we was on the point on Operation Hastings, one of the largest operations in Vietnam. Y'all can Google Operation Hastings. They got a write-up on, uh, a great, great write-up on Operation Hastings uh, from uh, uh 1966 in Vietnam, uh, one of the biggest operations, one of the first operations that occurred uh, right on the, the DMC, the demilitarized zone uh, between North Vietnam and South Vietnam. We were the first Marines up there, ran into a fierce uh, uh, opposition uh, where the North Vietnamese had been trickling down through that demilitarized zone there since 1954, by the way, by that time. So that was some 11, 12 years when French went out and divided the country up in 1954. North Vietnam left a lot of their troops uh, within that that military zone. They weren't supposed to be there, but they were there. They stayed there for all those years after the French uh, left there, uh, trying to uh, infiltrate uh, the South to uh, recapture and shoot it up. We ran right into that, that operation. A lot of folks died. Uh, uh, but that morning, July 16th, uh, that was just the start of it. The operation started on July 15th. But that was like the second day of it. We was leading that thing. My point, my my, my fire team was leading some 2,000 Marines down this uh, river, right in the valley, uh, uh, and got ambushed about 1030 that morning. And my two guys was out on the point. I was like the third one in line, and uh, they got shot, and just one thing after another. Uh, uh, PLC Carrier was on the point. He 50 yards in front, 25 yards in front of PLC Dawson in a pure uh, opening in the jungle. 
he gets shot. PLC Dawson uh, looking at him and uh, holler back to me that uh, got uh, PLC Carey has been shot. And I holler back to the sergeant. Sergeant, can you get to him? I said uh, PLC Dawson out to uh, assist uh, PLC Carey. By the time when he got there, picked him up, he gets shot several times. I'm watching him. I'm 50 yards back in the at the edge of the river, still in the jungle uh, uh, maze there. Before we uh, looking out into this pure area in the, in the jungles there, where uh, the natives had used uh, a trail to get back and forth to the river, that a fury out there where we had walked into coming up out the river. We was in the river uh, for so many uh, uh, meters uh, coming down that thing. It was just easy to walk in the water. The water came up to you about your waist in that river. Came up to about your waist. We walked in that river for you know so many. Uh, hundred meters uh, uh, to uh, uh, keep from having to cut the uh, thicket of the jungle, uh, jungle to uh, make a path to get down through it. At places uh, there were uh, a paths. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> anyway, PFC Carry is on the fourth. I'm the third man. I, I'm running there. I'd rotate the members of the squad uh, through the very fourth, including myself. I'd, I'd be on the fourth from time. But at this particular time, like 10:30 in the morning on. Uh, um, July 16th, 1966, uh, P.F.C. Carey was on the court. P.F.C. Dawson was next, and uh, uh, I was uh, next in line. I was uh, uh, at the back, about uh, uh, th- between the three of us, we were separated by uh, something like, I don't know, maybe 75 yards when we stretched out. You always have to maintain uh, a contact with the, the person in front of you because you want to, uh, we were now, my fire team, we, we're like maybe 50 or 60 yards and here the, the body of uh, my platoon. And uh, 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 so we, 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 uh, in, 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 uh, 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 we're acting like a, a trip rod. If we get an ambush, they're going to fire on us and the rest of the uh, platoon uh, is going to take cover and start returning the fire. And that's exactly what happened on that morning. We up there 100 yards in front of everybody else. We started taking fire there, and everybody else knew to get down. We done walked right into a big, big ambush. Uh, we walked into a big, big ambush that morning. From the time that uh, uh, my two uh, 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 friends got killed and I get shot up, I laid on the ground from 1030 to about 2 o'clock that evening. We could not get a medical helicopter in there. It was shooting everything down. That was a vicious uh, 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 ambush there for some uh, uh, three, four hours. They, uh, we had to call in, uh, we had to call in uh, the air, air boys to come in there and start dropping napalm on us. They dropped napalm for three or four hours. <laughs> they had to drop napalm right on me. In fact, when I was laying down on the ground, shot up four or five times, I, the last place I got hit was in my left arm, and I, I still to this day don't know whether that was another uh, a small long fire or a piece of napalm hit me went right through my arm. Went right through it. Uh, I still contend that it was napalm. It looked like a napalm wound. But I was friendly fire. And I was laying on the ground bleeding like a pig already. So I, I, didn't, I didn't even feel it, y'all, because I was shot up with so much morphine and stuff like that. Uh, when they finally got me back, when I finally got back, because remember now, I'm out. I'm out 100 yards uh, in front of everybody. My fire team's out there in the open by themselves. 
who was out there and over there was shooting at us like a uh, like we were uh, uh, ducks in a, a carnival shooting gallery. Those things that, uh, that march across you got that shooting with the little 22s or whatever. Uh, we were out there in that open. They were just uh, using us for practice, much like that. Uh, I, uh, like I said, when I first got shot, the first words out of my mouth was, help me, God. Uh, my friend, uh, uh, first of all, you, you, you know, I, I didn't tell the whole story because it, it uh, took a little too long to tell it tonight, but I've told it before out there. But you get my book, uh, The Water Boy, The Life and Trials of Jimmy C. Cameron, or Racism uh, and Hate in American Reality. I tell the story. I got the full story of uh, Operation Hastings as as it pertains to uh, me and my uh, fire team and what uh, transpired there. Just a great, great uh, uh, take on it. Uh, you can check out Operation Hastings on the Internet also. You'll find where uh, you'll find my story there. You'll find my story there. Hey, y'all, uh, it, uh, it's about five minutes till. Dang, y'all, wow. We just about uh, knocked this thing out tonight. Really uh, enjoyed uh conversing with um, the Facebook friends out here this evening. Yeah, we, we were all over the place, but we want to uh, uh, get in uh, that classic thing because we ran across this uh, ran across this uh, story where Plessy uh, and Phoebe Ferguson's two descendants of that uh, monumental uh, civil rights case is uh, starting a uh, starting this uh, Starting this education uh, uh, organization uh, uh, <clears throat> that's going to bear their name, and they're going to deal with ed- educating uh, the labor zone uh, of that case, Pessie versus Ferguson, and uh, its history, its effect on uh, society. Uh, it should be interesting. I'm looking forward to uh, them going forward and putting that thing together so that uh, – we can, uh, the people can uh, fully appreciate the depth uh, to which uh, Plessy impacted uh, Americans of Africa here in the society. It devastated them. I'm telling you that right now. It devastated us economically. It devastated us economically, y'all. It played a huge, huge part in uh, the economic inequality that we see today that played a huge, huge part in the economic inequality that we see today. Uh, absolutely. And for anyone to suggest otherwise, it's crazy. We can't have a conversation about poverty and all, uh, anything without uh, 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 as, uh, uh, without uh, having a, a part of that conversation be about uh, the devastating effect uh, of the separate equal laws and how uh, uh, American African descent was injured uh, by those laws, causing some of this uh, disparity that we see today in the wealth uh, distribution of the country. hundred years after the Civil War, hundred years after we should have been uh, assimilating into the society with a with a much, much better uh, foothold than uh, 
what was laid out for us. Remember, this thing didn't just start uh, in, 19, in 1896 uh, with blessing. Oh, no. The Jim Crow law started way before uh, that. It started immediately after the Civil War was over. They, hey, the Southern Homestead Act, uh, the 46 million acres set aside in the uh, Southern Homestead Act was all uh, uh, taken away from the ex-slaves uh, by because of the separate equal laws and the railing of uh, 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 the South against uh, distributing that land to uh, American Africans. So that was the most uh, critical uh, thing that happened uh, that impacted uh, our assimilating into uh, the society uh, uh, on some kind of uh, with some kind of uh, footing to uh, sustain our uh, our uh, independence here in the new, in the still free society, that 46 million acres would have provided would have provided uh, the real estate uh, needed uh, for us to uh, to gain that foothold uh, in a much more positive. Uh, in a much more positive uh, way. So we, we, yeah, so that uh, uh, the separate equal laws uh, 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 took away a lot uh, from American Rapid City. Uh, we talk about it. We have to educate our people about it to let them know that, uh, yeah, Plessy wasn't just about uh, one thing. Brown versus education wasn't uh, about just one thing. It's about a whole bunch of uh Separate equal laws that uh, injured us uh, from financially. Hey, y'all, that's just about uh, going to do it for us, here, y'all. We at the end again. How time flies when you're having fun, y'all. We're going to be talking about it. We ain't going to let this subject go, y'all, because we got to uh, keep it in the spotlight. We got to keep it in the spotlight. Uh, we got to keep it part of the dialogue. Uh, we're going to be asking for uh, reparations uh, from this uh, 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 government, from both the state and the uh, federal. But until then, y'all, <laughs> until next week, uh, we'll be right back uh, same time, same station here, y'all, July 2nd. Uh, until then, y'all, uh, be good. And- the Hushmo Black Forum. Advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com.